Jesse Douglas Smith McGraw, and this is What Moves You with Jesse. I'm a transformative coach on a mission to share an understanding of how our minds work that challenges how we react to life and our thoughts. I love to share stories and common sense ideas that empower you to take charge of yourself in a way that brings immediate and profound change. What I know to be true is that we are all innately healthy and doing our best with the thinking we have available to us on a moment-to-moment basis. And waking up to this will change what moves you. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to What Moves You with Jesse. Today, I have a very special guest, somebody who has been uh, a dear friend from many years ago from past chapters of our lives. <laughs> uh, and uh, well, I'll just say it is Adrian Borlangen from Wanderlust Creamery. She is one of the co owners um, and one of the founders, I should say, the creators of the creator of all of the delicious flavors at this amazing, incredible um, ice cream shop that is. Um, I don't know if we could even call it boutique anymore, but it is is a blowing up boutique, beautiful ice cream shop around the Southern California area. Um, But before we get into the interview, I do want to share a little bit about my experience with Adrienne, even though she's here on the call and and I am staring at her face. Um, But uh, the reason why I have always had this pull towards Adrian and wanting to have her on the podcast when she could potentially make time for me. And I'm so grateful for it, um, is back in our time in our restaurant life together, when I was a waitress and she was a bartender, um, we used to work lunch shifts together and she would bring in these incredible, delicious macaroons. And, uh, maybe we can get into that a little bit, but I, every time she would bring them in and they would be just the most incredible flavors. And honestly, the same with her drinks also, just the way that she would, the way that she would create her, you know, her creativity and her innovation with everything that she made was always so, um, trans transporting for me, for my senses, for my, my nostalgia for my own memories of life and, you know, and, um, my imagination. And I remember saying to Adrian, I was like, what are you doing with all of this creativity? (laughs) And at the time she hadn't, she hadn't launched yet into wanderlust and, and making her ice creams. But once we parted ways and we went into the next chapters of our lives, that was then her next creation but she has always been such a dear, so incredibly kind, so thoughtful. And um, so anyway, thank you so much, Adrian, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Oh, so good. <laughs> so I think we are talking about how many years ago now, how many years have you been in business with Wanderlust? Um, it's been seven years now. Oh, wow. Seven years since August. Okay. And we, you started with one location and now we are up to six, yes. right? Including Smorgasbord LA and downtown. Yes. 
uh, which is a big, I remember that was a really big win when you got it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Actually, um, so if I'm counting that, it's seven. Oh, it's seven. Yeah. We include it, that. that. Yes. Oh my God. And a couple more locations in development. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So Adrian. Yes. Please, I have been a witness to your life this entire time. But can you please share with everybody here uh, for my pod squad what this journey has been like? Can you take us back to the beginning? How did it start? What was the spark that started it? Um, yeah, so I just like ever since I was a kid, I've always been obsessed with food. Um, you know, like people... I feel like people start to think about what they want to do with their life when they're like graduating high school or finishing college. But like ever, but even before kindergarten, I knew I had like a, an affinity for food. Um, I would like look at cookbooks all the time. Like my sister, I remember like during book fairs, you know, like my sister would get like, I don't know, like, a fairy tale book or something and I would always be looking like for like is there any cookbooks or like can I you know like or I would like be at the grocery and I beg my mom can we buy this sunset magazine like you know when you're waiting to pay yes. like yes. A, like a magazine with a picture of like a salad and my mom like be like what why really like you're five you're six like why would you want this magazine I'm like I don't know I just um and so like you know, and I feel like my whole family knew that that was like my thing. Like every year I would get cookbooks for Christmas. Um, and just like, I always knew I wanted to do something in food, but you know, my family was not finance in a financially stable place growing up. And they always, um, in my culture, I'm Filipino. It's like, if, if you come to this country with nothing, your aspiration is to become a nurse. Um, and it's because it's like, it's a very attainable job. Anyone can do it. It's pretty good pay for, you know, the amount of school you go through and you'll always have a job no matter, you know, the state of the economy, whatever. And so my parents were just like, you're just going to be a nurse. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and like, I, I went through the motions, like first two years of college, I took all these nursing prerequisites um and like I think I think it was like the week I was supposed to apply to nursing school and I just had this epiphany I'm like I don't want to be a nurse and to hell with them and like I don't not to hell with them but I'm like oh well my mom's just gonna have to live with it you know it's fine you know there are other ways to make money um and you know, but at the same time, I wasn't brave enough to go to culinary school or like stage at a, at a fancy restaurant. I was just like, you know, it was kind of like a compromise, like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll work in a restaurant. So I'll be close to what I love doing. Um, but I'll be on the more lucrative position, which is like front of the house. Yes. Um, sad to say. Um, and then I, I worked in restaurants all, all throughout college and I finished college by getting um, all of my, my nursing prerequisites. They transferred to a degree in food science. So I felt like it was like a win-win. Um, my mom didn't really consider it a win for her, but you know, I thought it was a good compromise. And, you know, as everyone finds out 
after they graduate college, getting a college degree doesn't really mean anything in terms of making money. And so I stayed in, you know, stayed a bartender for a really long time. I, I think it was pretty good money, right? Wouldn't you say? It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and for working as little as you do. And then I get to spend a lot of time on my passions, which was like cooking and, and researching and, and learning about food. And I'll, in the back of my head, I always had this thing like, oh, you know, like, I'm just going to live out my life and, you know, have fun in my 20s. And then when it's time to get serious, maybe I'll start like a, a food food uh, business. But, you know, it was just always in the back of my head. And it was something that I always like, it was a thought I always procrastinated on. Like, I'll just get to it when, when it has to happen, you know? Yes. And I was probably at the height of my bartending, you know, career. Like I, I, I worked for SBE. I moved on to Hyde, um, was working in a nightclub and then I started making cocktails. Um, and then they're like, Hey, you want to, you want to open a restaurant in Miami? And, make the cocktail menu for, for that concept. And I'm like, sure. Like, obviously like everything was going great. Like this is more than I could have hoped for being a, like just a regular bartender, but I don't know, something was going, honestly, I wasn't even thinking about something was going on during the day. I would just like, I don't know where I became obsessed with ice cream and I don't know why ice cream. Um, and my, my boyfriend, um, at the time was a lawyer and, you know, I, like I'd been with him for years, like over a decade at that point. And I was like, like every year I would be, have like a kind of like a business idea. And he would be like, no, that's not going to work. He's like a very analytical numbers guy and, and his passion is business. And he'd be like, no, that's not going to work. No, that's not going to work. But for some reason, when I, this year, I think it was in 2014, end of 2014, I said ice cream. And he's like, you know what, that's actually the perfect business because there's no waste, whatever you don't sell, it stays frozen. I don't know, something clicked and maybe there was something part of him that wanted to get out of what he was doing too. Like I know at the time he didn't tell me he hated his job, but now he reflects back and says, oh my God, I was so miserable. I was physically sick going to work every day. Um, but and, you know, that was just the, the start of it all. And again, I was kind of like, when he's like, okay, we're going to make a business plan and we're going to do this. I was just kind of like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm just going along with the flow, knowing that like, it's never going to happen. Like, we're not, come on. Like, we're not, we're not going to like open, we're not going to put our life savings into like opening an ice cream shop. We have, we have no experience running a business. No. And one morning um, and by the way, he like, he had a background in commercial real estate cause he worked for a commercial real estate company throughout college. And he's like, Oh, I hit up my old boss and he's going to show me some, some, some spots we can rent in the Valley. I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. You go do that. And like, I was like, no. And then we found an old cold, an abandoned cold stones. It had been abandoned for eight years. Um, and the landlord was just so desperate to get anyone in there. And it had all this equipment, it had an ice cream dipping cabinet, it had a built, fully built kitchen, walk-in freezer, walk-in fridge, you know, $30,000 gelato machine from Italy. Wow. And she's like, the landlord's like, you know what? Like, 
you can have it. Like just, just move in, give me the first and last month's rent and it's yours. Like what, what am I going to do with this? And I feel like that was our signal. Like, look, the, the universe is presenting itself, like presenting a present to you. Like literally like this is like, you know, six figures in it, in these four walls, like that you don't have to spend, what are you waiting for? And so I remember, I think it was like in April or May of 2015, JP wakes me up. He's like, wake up, wake up. We got to be at this office at like eight o'clock. And I'm like, why? And he's like, we're going to sign the lease. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, 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 hurry. We have 15 minutes to get there. Like, I think he did that on purpose to like <laughs> not give me time to think about it and hesitate. But we went there and I signed the lease. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, now I, I like, I'm committed. I'm committed for the next, it was like a three-year lease, which is like really, usually a, a lease is like five years in commercial, but they're like, okay, this is your first time. We'll, we'll let you try it out for three years. And um, I just remember thinking like, oh my God, it's real. It's for real. And before that, I had not mentioned it to anybody, not even my friends, not even my sister, nobody. It was just like between me and him. Cause I thought like, I'm not going to go tell people. And then in the end, not do it. Like how embarrassing, like, and you know, I feel, feel like that had happened a lot, like had plans to like pursue something and do something. But then in the end, I'm like, eh, don't do it. But yeah, this time was different. And I remember just working my, like working around the clock, like not having a social life, you know me, I'm like, a, I'm addicted to the gym. I don't yeah. know if you knew that yeah. about me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I wasn't even go like, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, my God, I've gone like three weeks without stepping foot in the gym, because just I was so concentrated on building this thing. Yes. And we op- so I signed the lease in May, we opened August. And to my surprise, it was actually like opening weekend, we were like completely sold out of ice cream. There was a line out the door the whole time. I mean, I was just posting on, on Instagram and like the thing, I don't know, like I was just spewing out whatever came to my mind about like, you know, geeking out about ice cream and the flavors and just not even thinking about like, Oh, are people going to think I'm a nerd or people going to like, think I'm like stupid or people going to like go like, okay, she's not, that's not going to work. I'm just like, just put, put aside whatever anyone might think and just do you. And I don't know, like on Instagram, like I think we started the Instagram in June or July. And by the time we, by opening weekend, we had like a couple thousand followers. It was insane. And I'm like, and I think, and back then, like back then I feel like content really, it was just genuine. Like the quality of the content is, is what makes people follow you. And I think it was just me like not holding back and just putting it all out there. And, and I, and I discovered that pe- there are people out there like me that are just as big as ner- you know nerds as, as me. You know, like I hear about, you know, I hear about people that get big on TikTok, and it'll just be a nerd who's like, I don't know, let's say a nerd about one comic book, and they'll have like 
hundreds and thousands of followers because they didn't realize that there there's a lot of people out there that are just as like nerdy and geeky or into the same like one specific thing as you and so um that's yeah. how you connected yeah just that's kind of how it just worked out and then um that same broker we so we were open for a year um or almost a year and that same broker um was like hey there's another cold stones in a cooler area doesn't have equipment and you know you it but it does have an existing kitchen and it might it might work out and the rent is like insanely you know cheap for the neighborhood i think you should you know and then we signed that was atwater village oh my god wow yeah i know a significant amount of people that go to the atwater location yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so that's kind of formula it's like find existing places that all you know so you so it's not that big of a gamble but it kind of is but it's not as big of a gamble as had had i put all this money into like building out a space um yes and then i and then so we're like okay tarzana is good you know but we don't know atwater is a little like in in tarzana we felt like okay well there's nothing good it's the valley it's all chains obviously this stands out you know from the crowd and like it's a destination in the valley in outwater village you're you know right next to proof like a, a well-known amazing bakery like you're you're right next to silver lake there's amazing like good eats like very trendy like it, it's it's gonna be a little harder like the standards are higher there and so when we were building out Atwater, um, JP and I actually moved. We moved from Woodland Hills to North Hollywood um, so that we could cut our rent in half. We moved, yeah, we moved to a smaller apartment. I sold my car and we went down to one car and shared a car just because we didn't know. We, we were in the process of building up. We didn't know, like, I don't know, this, this might not work out. Like, let's just like cover our ass and like lighten up our expenses just in case. And right in the middle of the build out, after we had done all that and we were living so light, um, I found out I was pregnant. I was wondering if that was around the time. Yeah. yeah. I, we were like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Like, we've just put ourselves in a really risky financial situation. Now we have a kid on the way. Um, and we live in like a completely not like kid friendly neighborhood or apartment. Like we literally moved from like a 2,500 square foot apartment to like, I don't know, maybe like 12, not even actually it was like set. No, 700 square foot apartment like wow yeah thinking like just preparing not yes. expecting failure but just preparing like oh, you know like you yes. know we're, we're kind of entering like the big league now like yes. it's more to succeed yes um and as soon as we opened to my surprise that that up until recently that was our number one store for six years wow yeah completely blue our expectations out of the water. Wow. And you know, it, it doesn't really surprise me because I could see going in 
how you could, how, when you kind of look at what you're, what you are quote unquote, kind of competing up against, right. Or the, the, the tone of what you're jumping into, I could see how it could be like, geez, there's a lot of really amazing options that feels more gambly, but at the same time, what I could really feel from it and what you're, what you saw was the, was the impact of it is that because there was such an interest for, for people who have unique perspectives mm-hmm. on food and flavor, that that is why you found a, a home in, in that part of town. It yeah. seems to me really adventurous people, food adventurous people. Yeah. And be- before we move forward a little bit, can you share a little bit about what makes Wanderlust so unique? Because that's, that's important for people to know, because you're not just throwing up vanilla chocolate strawberry. So yeah, tell, tell everybody about that. So it's ice cream inspired by travel. Um, when I was first doing research and development into opening an ice cream shop, I was making like really esoteric flavors, you know, inspired by my travels, inspired by like my experience growing up Asian um, through the valley and just like I would go to ice cream shops and they they would have like yeah cool like really cool f- things outside of chocolate vanilla and strawberry but it was always like just an elevated version of something expected you know like uh, you know like farm fresh berry crisp I don't know like uh, you know yeah. um, but the things I wanted to do were like hojicha burnt honey and like an ice cream made with the leaves of a fig tree, not fig, the fruit. Um, and I had a friend over for dinner and she was sampling everything and she was like helping me with the branding. And she's like, what inspires your, these flavors? And I said, I don't know, my wanderlust. And she's like, that's, what it needs to be. It needs to be called Wanderlust ice cream or Wanderlust creamery. Um, and it should be flavors inspired by Wanderlust or your travel or, or, you know, just like that should be the, you should really embrace that. Um, and so I think back then nobody was doing, you know, these things. I feel like you can find it anywhere now. I feel like a lot of the flavors we were doing, they're kind of prevalent in a lot of Los Angeles menus or dessert menus, but it, I mean, it wasn't like, it was a hit when we first opened, but at the same time, I would say like about 30% of the people coming in would, would look at the flavors in the case and they'd be like, uh, and then walk out because they don't see something familiar to them. Um, But at the same time, I think that is what makes us so popular as well. Yes. Yes. And from, on just from personal experience, well, every time I walk into a store, I feel like I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hi, I know you're not with me, but I feel like you are <laughs> because the flavors are so personal to you. Like truly, yeah. you know, it's like you walk into a wanderlust and, you know, I know I've, I've been lucky enough to, to get to know you, um, you know, and there's just this kind of quiet, like reserved beauty about it. And that's so Adrian, <laughs> you know, that it's just like, if you really like, if like, it's really peaceful to walk into one of your shops, it's, you know, the, the branding, the, the feeling of it is really wonderful. Um, but I will, you know, 
pre and then now, especially now, since we're kind of really in a, you know, a different phase with the pandemic, but I, especially before too, I would just stand at the case and have them, if they didn't mind, I'd sample as much as I could because what was so, what's so amazing about your flavors too. And every single person that I take to one of your shops, cause I know I can, I can, it's a home run, but, um, I, and I think it's also, it must, and you tell me this, I've, I'm the one that's filled in the blanks with this, but, um, they're not overly sweet. Yes. yes. And, and that's something that's, you know, is that something also that's culturally kind of normal? Like the, or, yeah. you know, right. It's, it's very my palate. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I like things that are not too sweet. And then after opening Wanderlust, I learned that's a very cultural thing. It's a very Asian thing to not like too sweet. And like, you, you'll see viral memes on social media. Like, I don't know, it'll be a picture of a brain, like a brain, like, oh, it's good. And then a picture of, of a brain, like, you know, like turning the wheels even more. Oh, it's, yeah, I like it. And then, and then a picture of a brain exploding. It's like, it's not too sweet. That's like the ultimate compliment coming from I guess coming from an Asian person, I didn't, I didn't know this. Oh Maybe, wow! I didn't know this. I think it's just me being Asian. Like, oh, that's why I don't, don't like things too sweet. So, um, but it is, yeah. But it is an acquired taste too, because I, I, I feel like ice cream is very subjective. We do get a lot of people who are like, I don't know, it's just not rich. It, it doesn't do it for me. I need like more. Um, and I guess it's a, it's all a matter of taste, but again, you know, what a reason why people may not like us or a reason why we, why we may, may not be someone's favorite ice cream is the same exact reason why we have such a big fan base on the other side. Cause there's a bunch of people who do love that. So exactly. yeah, exactly. Cause the reality is, is like, there's a million, you could yeah. swing a cat and hit yeah. 50 other ice cream shops. Yeah. So, you know, and everybody is blowing your brains out with sugar and I'm not, you know, it's fine if that's what you're into, yeah. but that's what I, you know, that I know that Mike, my husband feels the same way about your ice cream. Cause he's not the biggest dessert person, especially like right after a dinner, you know, it's like somebody brings a dessert menu and he's like, I don't understand how people can launch right into that, you know? But the, but if we just have to take like a two store walk to get to a wanderlust and have him have a scoop of your ice cream, it's a game changer. Cause it's like, it's just a different experience as opposed to let me have my sweet hit now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so can you share a little bit about what gets your, because you do, it feels to me from the outside looking in that you legitimately reinvent the wheel every freaking month with your flavors. Oh, we do. No, every month the, the menu changes. Um, and I think that's like a big part of our business. JP hates me for it. My partner hates me for it. He's like, Oh, it's so complicated. Um, you know, on the back end, we got to change the POS every, we got to update the POS every month. Like, Oh my God. Like, um, got to trade. For all of our, for all the people listening, POS is point of sale, not, <laughs> not piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to redo like the inventory. We've got to remap the inventory on the back end. But you know, like I, I can't imagine having, I don't know. I, I opened an ice cream shop so I can do 
like I can geek out. Like, why would I open an ice cream shop if I only get to geek out once? Like, that's not, yes. not the point. Um, and incidentally, that's what drives people in every month is the, the flavors changing. So if it works for me and it works for them, why not? Yeah. Um, so what is that? What does that look like on with your creative process? Like what did, do you land the new flavors day one of, you know, where are we? We're in September, right? So September one, you drop new flavors and then do you immediately start going, okay, I have to think of new ones or do you have the, do you trust that ideas are going to occur to you or how does that work for you? Um, well, we have, what I do is I think about the year. And I think about what's coming up and seasons and holidays. And I, and I just, you know, keep a, a log of like, okay, well, in, in February, I want to make this, if an idea comes to mind, like in February, I want to make this um, Valentine's flavor. So I'll, I'll put it down for February and, you know, like a couple months ahead, I should have a few ideas for February already. And then just fill in the blanks with things we've done before or fan favorites. Um, I have to admit that it's not as easy nowadays before I, I could just do whatever I wanted. And, you know, like, Oh, I want to make, I want to make this difficult flavor, this flavor that's di- ingredients are difficult to make or difficult to find. And it's a little complicated to make, but I want to go ahead and make it. I can't do that now with, with at the volume we produce. Oh. So kind of like tailored back and, um, it's this whole thing. I feel like we're not a kitchen anymore. We're a manufacturing plant. And oh, so I have to think of about that. And to be honest, I haven't, I haven't gotten to do more creative stuff I want to do, but it's forcing me to be creative in other ways. Yeah. You have to find creativity within um, certain constructs and confines, um, which is, which is like, you know, it's also new and exciting, but, um, yeah, so I just, a lot of it is planned like months in advance. So October, like next month's menu will be like, I have been thinking about it all year basically. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And tell me what is that, you know, well, first, before I say, before I go on to this, you know what this reminds me of? And I'm, of course, sitting here going, oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. The name that's coming to me is Evan Kleinman from KCRW. And that is, but that's not who I'm trying to talk about. The woman who does, uh, who did La Brea Bakery and, and Moza. Nancy Silver. Nancy Silverton, you're reminding me of her, uh, I believe it was a chef's table of her, of oh. her and she, that you might be interested in watching. But anyway, it just reminds me of when she was the hands-on baker of her bread. And then when it kind of grew and then she sold it, you know, sold the Brea Bakery so it could be produced for markets and things. Mm -hmm. She tried to stay involved to a certain point. And then it got to that point where she felt it was more manufactured. Yeah. And, you know, and so then what ended up being is that she let this is I'm not saying this is your play by play. But I found it so interesting that she kind of got to this place of like, I'm so grateful I did that. Now that's its own thing. Now I'm going to go over here and now you can always find her still to this day at the cheese bar at Moza, you know, yeah. because that's her new, like, cause she missed having her hands in it and doing that. 
So I'm yeah. kind of, I'm excited to see what happens with you. Cause I basically yeah. feel like the way that you have life has unfolded for you that at some point Adrian is going to go, I need my own test kitchen. And this is just going to be the sample kitchen that location where people can yeah. get really wacky things, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I would love that. Um, yeah, but it is, it's gone to the point where we actually, now that you mentioned it, yeah, I am in that mindset. Like, I feel like it's, I've grown it to where as much as I can grow it. And it's gotten to that point where um, there are people that know more than me about, you know, my scope of things is like making ice cream for three stores, maybe. But once you get to the size we are now, I'm, there's a whole industry of people that, know better about manufacturing ice cream at this scale and i'm happy with with how far i've come and i, I don't mind passing it on you know yeah, yeah 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 so kind of going back to that spark inside yeah love like i mean it literally gave me some chills on my legs when <laughs> you, were, you know talking about using the fig leaf instead of the fig yeah like, like where, where, where does that come from? Do you suppose, do you just get ideas out of nowhere or are you um, kind of curious? I get, about yeah. So that fig leaf, I, I actually got that idea when I went to Croatia, like I had a dessert and it was like sheep's cheese wrapped in like fig leaf purse and it had honey on it. Um, and when I tried it, I'm like, is there coconut? I asked the waiter, is there coconut in this? And they're like, no, it's just cheese wrapped in fig leaf with honey and, and we bake it. And I'm like, why does it? And I, I was like, why does it taste like coconut? And then I figured out, oh, that the coconut, that that whatever I'm tasting, it's from the fig leaf. <sighs> I, that's where I got that idea. I'll get it. Honestly, my ideas just come from being a, an inquisitive food nerd. Um, and just like, I've always been very um, detail oriented. And so like, I notice teeny tiny details or I'll, I'll, you know, everyone's looking at a big, the big picture. I'm looking at the one small picture that everyone missed. Um, and so, I don't know. I think that's just always how I've been. And um, I didn't think that it would blow people's brains the way it does. Like, you know, I'm just like, I don't know. That's just what I like. That's what, you know, it's if I, yeah. On to, mm -hmm. well, and that's what I was, I think, you know, you're, you're really kind of giving me a definition for why I was always so drawn to you when it came to when you would bake and when you would make cocktails, because I loved that about you. Cause you would bring in, you know, we always worked this one lunch together where it would be pretty slow for a while at the beginning. And, um, you would bring in of course your attention to detail was beautiful. You had these beautiful macaroon boxes because you had, I, you know, I think you had sold them to a couple of boutique bakeries and stuff too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was just like, who are you? What are you, what, you know, but anyway, I, um, I remember I would, you would point out all the different flavors, you know, and they were really unique, just like your ice cream. They weren't even kind of straightforward flavored macaroons. And I remember I would take a bite of it and you would go, what do you think about that? Because I can't, uh, there's one, this one flavor that I can't let go of. Like, I'm going to just throw it out there. Like lemon rind. I feel like the lemon rind is a little too strong. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm just tasting deliciousness. But now that you say it, 
And it was great because even for my palate, mm-hmm. I mean, I still thought everything was amazing. You were overly critical because it's your passion. But, you know, I just remember thinking, oh my God, like you were waking me up to things, you know, even the way that you would, I'm just going to keep using the lemon rind idea, but like even the way that you would use that and you would like, you know, put fire on a lemon rind before you put it in a cocktail because you knew it added a different layer of flavor. There was just such this amazing attention to detail. And I loved how you just said that. You were like, everybody's looking at this whole picture and I'm looking at the tiny picture that they missed. Mm -hmm. And that is you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I think that's why you've been able to really draw that out and make a, and make a business out of that, that makes all of us light up inside because it's like, it's like you've given us something in a, in, in, um, in our field of vision that we didn't even realize we were missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. I would love to rewind just for a quick second. Can you tell me a little bit about that voice when you said that you were doing nursing school and you had that voice inside that was just like, I, th- no, I can't do this. So yeah, I was just like, I was just imagining like, okay, I'm in two years, I'm going to finish nursing school and I'm going to be a nurse. Um, and I'm, I don't know. I just honestly, to be honest, why I didn't want to be a nurse. I thought about, I, I, one time I was sick and, um, I forgot some, I was like, so I think I had swine flu or something. I was so sick. Like I couldn't even like lift my head up from the pillow. I couldn't eat. And I think it was my sister or my, my boyfriend that was feeding me. And I was thinking like, Oh my God, I, I can't believe they're like, like taking the time to take care of me. Like I, and I was thinking, I was thinking about it. Like, ugh, I would never want to like, if, if they were sick, I wouldn't do this for them. And I'm thinking like, how fucked up is that, that I'm going to be a nurse. And this is what I'm thinking. Like, that's really fucked up for people. I don't want to be fucked up <laughs> with someone in pain, you know, like, uh, um, to be honest, so that was what am I thinking being a nurse. And also it was like, you know, I hate to say this, but I, you know, like people like eventually it's my life. And eventually my mom, you know, my mom's, my mom had me when she was 40, she's still alive, but, um, you know, like she's not going to live forever. And then, you know, when she does pass, like, what, what am I going to say for myself? Like, okay, I, I have all this life left to live and I, and, and I'm here because of, to appease this one person. Yeah. You know, and now that I have kids, like my kids could murder someone and I'll still love them. You know, like my mom will feel the same way about me no matter what I do. Yes. Um, yes. So, so you uh, really were putting those pieces together, like yeah. even you realizing as you were being taken care of, of like, yeah. oh my God, this is not, you know, I would never want to do this for them, let alone strangers, you yeah. know going from room to room all day. Right. Um, to me, like that sounds like your true self was really waking up inside and it was starting to not make sense to keep kind of following this line of thinking that you were being told your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. But what really, I feel like what really like propelled me forward was towards 2014 
when I decided I was going to open an ice cream shop. I think what really propelled me forward was also this like, well, you know, I'm, I'm turning 30 and I might as well fit, you know, like I said, I always had this dream on the back burner and it, it was always like a procrastination and it was kind of just like, well, I need to either check it off my list, you know, and see if it's going to work or not. And either like fail or succeed. Like, at least I know, like, it's, it's just, I just need to cross it off my list, take it off the back of my head. You know, it's, I, it's, it's like this shadow that's following me. Yes. Um, and I just like, even if I, and it's almost as if I ha- had accepted pre accepted my failure, even though I wasn't like anticipating failure, but I'm just like, well, if I fail, well, whatever, you know, like I'm only 30, you know, I don't, at the time I didn't have a kid. I don't, I didn't have a mortgage. I had no financial responsibility, really. Like I was living really, really light. Yeah. Always lived very like well below my means because of how I grew up. And so I'm just like, there's no risk. I mean, there is a risk, but it's not that bad. It's not like, you know, it's not crazy. Yes. Um, yes. And that's when that's what really propelled me forward is just like, Oh, let's just get it over with, you know? Interesting. Well, and it's great. Cause what you're saying is what I think people can really pull from this for themselves is, is that we create, we like, we fill in the blanks in our mind so much around with story around why we haven't done something already or why we think we can't do something. And uh, what I really appreciate is that you know, with some time and with some kind of reflection without you even realizing, like, let me reflect on this idea, you know, no, but just in hindsight, you can kind of see that you were getting really reflective around why am I not doing this? And what is really looking impossible to me? And why not? Why don't I, you know, you just got curious. And I Mm -hmm. think that's so major for people to live with. And I feel like that's kind of been a driving thing for you just from the outside looking in for me, um, you know, is that there's a thread of curiosity to you from you starting this and getting it going down to how do we make this work the best way possible? You know, the way that I've even seen that you handle your staff and things like there's a curiosity to you of like, how can we make this better? And how, you know, and then same with your flavors and everything. So does that resonate at all with you? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I feel like that is my thought process. And, you know, I feel like, and sometimes like now, and like, I'll say things out loud, like before I would always keep these like curiosities in my head or like thoughts in my head, but now I just like blurt it out. Um, because I guess I, I feel like I have less inhibition now. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've proved to myself, like, okay, you don't have to be so quiet. Um, see the, you know, see your ideas aren't that like crazy. So like, um, not last 4th of July, but the 4th of July before this, I had this crazy idea. Uh, um, like I had a, I rented a, a bounce house for my kids and um it was like really expensive i was like really does this ha- is this how much a bounce house costs to rent and i i googled it i'm like that the same it's the same price to buy one than it is to rent one whoa yeah and this lady was like 
I don't know. I just had a crazy business idea and I just like, um, I blurted it out in front of a group of friends. I'm like, Oh my God, this is such a, like, imagine if I started a bit, like, imagine if someone started this as a business, like you literally, all you need is your garage and buy this. And this late, you know, you make your money back as soon as you rent it out, like one or two times, like two of my friends that were present when I said that, the very next week they went out and started that business. Oh my goodness. And it's so much so that like one of them quit their job, they do it full time. And it's like, you know, they've, you know, it's like a six figure business for them, like in a year. And, and one of them still works at her 40 hour a week job. And it's just like side money. And it's like, amazing. like it's called Calabasas bounce house. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. And so like, I feel like, um, you know, just like being an inspiration to other people or like, you know, I'm glad that that happened because, and imagine had I not like blurted out my curiosity, like they would not be doing that, you know? And like, I'm so glad that they did, they do it now. Like it's, it's an amazing, I don't know. I just feel like there's so many things to just, there's so many things to be had in this world. You just got to decide like, okay, I'm going to put out my hand and reach for it. You know? Yes. Um, Yes. Yes. So what I'm hearing from you is that almost also in hindsight, that there's a part of you that, well, maybe, I don't know if this is something that you're saying or if I'm putting it together myself, but what I'm learning from you, and I would hope that everyone listening is too, is that it is important to follow those curiosities and kind of recognize that that's, coming from a deeper place than all the thoughts that come after that tell you that that's a dumb idea or that it's a crazy idea, right? Like it's more, it's more, it's more important to stay true to those ideas that occur to you because that's the stuff that that's the possibility stuff that can lead to, to amazing things, not just for you, but for the people that you inspire around you. Yeah. That's amazing. So Adrian, what do you, uh, what, What's it, what are any internal challenges that you have come up against in running oh, this business? There's a lot. A lot. Um, I feel like people is a, is a struggle for running a small business. Um, having employees is really hard. Um, and every, I feel like every, literally like every quarter, the goalpost moves like um, in terms of like culture, workplace culture, what's, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And um, I don't know, I feel like, and looking back to when I was an employee, like I I realized like how naive I was. Yeah, Um, it's, It's just so much, I don't know, it's just so much work owning and running a business and there's so many moving parts of the business. And I remember thinking, I'm sure everyone thought this, like when they were younger, like, Oh, this is so easy. Like what, why? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm rambling, but um, having a staff is really hard. Um, I guess like the bigger you get to the more accountable people hold you. Um, it's a lot of responsibility, finding personal time 
I can't, I, I'm really bad at separating work and personal time. I'm like constantly working. Like yeah. I, I tell people all the time, like I haven't taken a vacation. I went to New York earlier this year and that was the first time I had left Los Angeles since 2017. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I tell, and then people are like, well, why don't you take a vacation? And I tell people all the time, okay, I'll be laying on a beach on my phone working <laughs> yeah. like, like by choice, you know? Yes. Um, yes. But I guess that's a different, you know, like it is my passion and I enjoy doing it. But at the same time, like a lot of people think, oh, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you own your time, but people don't realize like, yeah, but instead of working 40 hours a week on someone else's time, you're going to be working 24 seven. Yeah. But on your terms, but still you'll be working 24 seven. So that's been a challenge. Um, Has it, what have you learned about you yourself, your own internal stuff, your like inside of you personally? Um, Interestingly enough, so like I look back to when we were we were working in a restaurant and I think like at back then I was like, oh, here I am, you know, working a meaningless job, like not following, not being true to myself, not following my passions. But at the same time, I had like, you know, before a shift, let's say you're in at five or six, you have the whole day to like go have lunch with a friend, go for a hike, go to the beach and then go to work. And then when you leave work, you leave your work at work. Work. Yes. Yeah. You don't come home with your work. And now, now that I have like, quote unquote, everything I wanted, I'm looking back to those times and I'm like, God, those were simpler times. Those are nice. That was nice. Um, I'm realizing that the grass is always greener on the other side and you should just be, you should just appreciate what you have in front of you. Like, even though you, you're never going to, nothing's going to be perfect. You're not going to have it all, but there's always going to be something that's like perfect in that moment. And so always just like appreciate that. Um, I also feel like another thing that the universe kind of just handed me to like force me to, to learn lessons I needed to learn was having kids like all of my children were unplanned. Yeah. Um, By the way, you have three, two of them are twins. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, um, that was like, I feel like I had my first kid right when it was going to take off. Um, like the business opening Atwater. And I feel like the universe gave me a kid to kind of just like slow me down a little bit. Um, because if I had, if I didn't have kids, I would just be, honestly, I would be 24 seven, like workaholic. I am 24 seven workaholic, but like, I would be like, literally have no life. Um, and so I think that's, that's helped a lot. Yeah. So are you saying that you see the value in slowing down a bit and the, for and the yeah. kids are forcing you to do that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And when you slow down, do you feel like you can take a moment to actually appreciate what's going on around you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. What is one piece of advice that you would share for folks who have a vision of what's possible for themselves, but they feel stuck? Um, 
I would just say like when you're, when you're in your passion, just pretend that no one else exists except you. I feel like that's what, like I was in this thing. I was like, had like tunnel vision, tunnel vision. Like when I was building Wanderlust, it was just like, literally like I, I had such hardcore tunnel vision that I had, I didn't even tell my anybody about it. I didn't even tell my parents about opening Wanderlust like until a week before we opened. Wow. Yeah. Because I just knew like, uh, there's no point in telling them because they're just going to start talking and putting things in your head. And just like, you're in, you're in this, you have this momentum going. Why, why jeopardize that? And it's not even going to affect anything. If you tell them now or then, like just tell them at the very last minute, we need to invite them. Um, And yeah, I just had, and like, I remember all my friends like a month before we opened um, our grand opening, we were like in the middle of build out in the middle of hiring. And I remember all literally all, my entire group of friends, they all went to, to Greece. I think they went to like, they went to on a European tour and everyone was talking about like, Oh my God, it's going to be so, it's going to be so epic. Like, I can't believe you're not going. Um, you're you and JP are the only ones that aren't going to be there. Aren't you going to have FOMO? And I did not had zero FOMO. I literally had zero FOMO. I'm like, "Mm, no, because I was just like in this place where I was just like, no one else exists. Nothing else exists except this right now. Um, but the, the only thing is it's, it's really now that I have a family, it's really hard to do that when you have other things going on or other like personal obligations. But in your 20s, early 30s, there's no reason why you should not be able to just do that. Like just go into like a one, two month phase where, where you only care about your passion or like what what drives you what moves you what 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 you geek out on yes yes and honestly i would say that that's really good advice for anybody at any stage of their life because the way that you have you know i mean you're even really showing it yes you have learned how to balance had to figure it out you probably feel like you're relearning it every day with your kids and having you know a home life and and also running all you know this growing business but to me what i what i'm hearing from you is that you know when you really kind of just tap into getting curious about that desire getting curious about that passion then the things kind of start to shake out and work their work out work themselves out in such a way that you can you will naturally find a balance in things like even right now you have three flipping children all under the age of what how tiny are they uh, well, the eldest just turned five and then I have their three. Yeah. So those are, they're tiny, right? And yet you have still managed to find balance because I feel like when we just follow kind of those instincts and the unfolding of life that we adapt, it's really a, a fantastic part of who we are and how we work. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, before we, cause it's been, our time has flown, oh. but I know, but we, I have a couple of things that I wanted to point out first. 
you had mentioned to me years ago that you found out about a family member who also did ice cream. And it's a little bit of a magical story. Can you please share that? Yeah. So um, growing up, I wasn't really close to my dad's side of the family. Um, My dad passed away when I was really young. um, And for whatever reason, I I didn't even know that he had siblings. Um, And later in life, I found out he had siblings and they would share with me, me a little about my family history. They're like, oh yeah, um, our grand, your grandparents met working at a factory um, called San Miguel. San Miguel is like a beer. Yes. Um, it's kind of like, think of Budweiser. Um, and so I thought, oh, okay, they worked for a beer company. I didn't think anything of it. And then when, when I opened Wanderlust, I had a distant relative congratulate me not a distant relative, my dad's brother congratulated me on Facebook. Like, Oh, you're fat. You're following in your grandfather's footsteps. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, Oh, you don't know. Like my dad, your grandfather was, um, the head, you know, um, flavor engineer of Magnolia ice cream. I'm like, what do you, and for those who don't know, Magnolia is like, imagine like the dryers, or Briars or Nestle. Imagine the Nestle of, of the Philippines. That's what Magnolia is in the Philippines. And imagine, and the reason why I never knew it was Magnolia is because San Miguel, the beer company, owns um, Magnolia. So it's like saying, oh, I worked, you know, like Pepsi or Coca-Cola owns all these other brands under it. It's like it's like saying, oh, your dad worked for Coca-Cola, but then you don't know if he actually worked for like Frito-Lay. Yes. Or something like that. Yeah. I'm trying to make an analogy so people that's, understand. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I totally understand. Oh my God. It was specified to me. No, he, they worked for Magnolia and your, your grandfather was the one who made up these, who made the flavors. Um, and I'm like, really? That's crazy. He's like, yeah, and your dad... Apparently, my my dad went um, got a master's in chemical engineering to follow my grandfather's footsteps, but had the same epiphany I did about nursing. Like, ah, I don't want to do this. And he like he switched like he got a master's in chem- chemical engineering, but then he got he got offered like an MBA scholarship from Wharton, and so against his father's wishes, went to got his MBA and, and pursued business instead. It's kind of like pa- almost parallel, but then me and my dad went the opposite way. Um, and so it, it kind of skipped a generation, I guess. Like it was like really my grandfather's wish for my dad to follow in his footsteps. But then instead I did, I guess. Without even knowing. Without even knowing. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's mind blowing. And it's just, it's, you know, it's just, it, it, it definitely makes you kind of wonder like, okay, there's more to life than what we see and what we think we know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, where can people find if people are, of course you are in the greater Southern California area. So for anybody who listens, that is not in this region, but is interested in knowing more about you or wanting to visit when you, when they are here, 
where can they find more information out about you? Um, they can find us on Instagram, Wanderlust Creamery or wanderlustcreamery.com. Awesome. And I will put those links in the show notes too. So people can just click on them. Um, thank you so much, Adrian. I have one final question for you. And this you can answer with however, whatever occurs to you that makes sense to you in the moment right now, spiritually, literally, emotionally, it doesn't matter. But I ask everybody the exact same question at the end of the interview. All right, Adrian, what moves you? Right now, what's moving me is food because I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what moves me. And and really, that's what moves me is like my passion for food. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Adrian. Thank you for joining me. It has been so nice to see you and for learning more about you and all of the inner workings of the inside of you. It's so wonderful. Um, I can't wait to see you again sometime soon. Let's let's actually like get together and have a meal so I can tap into that passion with you. Sitting yeah. right next to you. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Adrian. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye, Jesse. Bye. Thank you for listening to What Moves You with Jesse. Let's stay connected. You can find more ideas and strategies on being human on my Instagram at What Moves You with Jesse. Sign up for my newsletter or learn more about working with me at whatmovesyouwithjesse.com and please rate and review the show and let us know what you think and what resonated. I read every single review. They mean so much to me. You can also call in on our hotline with your thoughts on what resonated there too. It is always live at 818-646-JESS. That's 818-646-JESS. What Moves You with Jesse is produced by Mike McGraw and Tinker City Music. Now, let's take a deep breath and give ourselves permission to live in this moment for what truly moves you.